Philippians 3.12 Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And when some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. And let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now, tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Thanks, Milo. Thank you, Miles. Good evening, everyone. Yeah, that's true. My name's Ian, so good to see you here tonight. Uh, The truth is the word really should say finish strongly, but it says finish strong. So uh, that's the goal of tonight. And it is true to say, as many people are saying, it's the last Sunday in 2019, last Sunday of this decade, and we're just about to enter into a new year, 2020, and indeed enter into a whole new decade. Uh, and I want you to think about that, what that might mean to you, what it might mean for the future. Where do you want to be in 10 years? Don't just think of the immediate as in where I want to be New Year's Eve next week. Think long term. And if you think long term, what are the things you might have to do? Uh, and especially in regards to the Christian life. And that's the word I want to speak to all of you tonight. It's about the Christian life to try to get you to think long term about where you want to go and where you want to be and the influence you want to have long term. Uh, I shared this morning that many years ago there used to be a word for people who uh, would they'd set off strongly in the Christian life and the Christian faith then they would get distracted and the word used to to be called backsliding. It's outdated now, you don't hear people say it, some of you might have heard it in days gone by. Uh, It used to be very popular, I must confess, when I was growing up Um, and I often wondered what it meant Um, but it was a phrase that people used, I don't know what people use today Uh, but the whole idea is one thing to start the race well and the Christian life is, biblically speaking, like a race. Many of us know it, the idea isn't, it's a sprint It is a marathon. The New Testament echoes this language again and again. The Apostle Paul speaks in that way and hopefully as you've heard from Miles tonight from Philippians 3, there is a sense it's like a race, a marathon, a long, long haul. And I like the way Al uh, thought about the prayers night. You know, some people, this could have been a fantastic year, but for others it may not have been. And if you've struggled with sin in 2019, anyone here have? Anyone here? Uh, Guess what? I've got some bad news for you. Guess what's going to happen in 2020? I'm going to struggle with sin in 2020. Praise the Lord for forgiveness, I say. Um, But indeed, we are called not to be distracted, but to run this race well. So uh, as I stop and also pray, let me just uh, 
give thanks to uh, the ministry team and their families for serving powerfully throughout the year. Uh, the parish council uh, who've been gracious to us and to me, uh, life group leaders, um, people, uh, my own family, uh, members of FAC like you guys, volunteers, the worship team. I think in just about every video I saw Josh. Um, brother, like many of uh, our servants in our worship team, uh, when Greg calls upon them, as you know, like the tech guys, as Al would know, they just serve. Uh, and so many, many people have served us, and I just would like you to thank them all for doing that. Could you do that for me? Thank you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to this moment in time, this last Sunday, this last gathering before we launch into a new year, Father, speak directly to us from your word. Help us be reflective about our lives and indeed about the changes you would like us to make. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, normally I'd get uh, young Shane to run around and he might be motivated, but I just wonder, before I go to the next step, uh, would anyone like to actually share, I'm looking for a microphone, uh, would anyone like to share, uh, Shane does have a microphone, um, what, what's a change you believe you need to make in regards to your spiritual life next year? I don't intend to give you any New Year's resolutions tonight. I tend not to. I'm going to leave you with some questions to ask. But anyone here, any changes you need to make to help you grow next year? Anyone thought about this? Anyone like to share one thing you'd like to do? Anyone brave enough to do that? If you move, you can either hold your arms tighter. That's good. Don't look at me. You know. Down the back. Way down the back. No, run down. Oh. He might have a broken wing, but his legs still work. Praise the Lord. It's a miracle. <laughs> Oh, on the left here, still here. <laughs> yeah, um, just increasingly love the Word of God and I, I just want to grab a couple of um, verses that I, I really believe God's speaking into my life and really stand on them for the year. So okay. that's, that's what I'm hoping to do. Down the back, Shane. Back row, right down the back. That's two on this side. There. Logan, you looked at me, that means you're going to speak. Uh, yeah, it's, it's my prayer life, hey. Uh, I think this year I, I um, picked up the Reader's Bible and I've been diving into the Word, but my prayer life totally got kaput, which I don't know what's going on there, but that's the plan. Yeah, that's good, good. Yeah, I found just reading God's Word uh, a little while ago, I was just not doing it well, so I started to listen to it online uh, and read it as I'm listening to it. And that, I've just found that give me another spark in my Christian life. And I'd also like to share about something I'd like to think about for next year. I was going to ask you, what mistake did you make in 2019 you're hoping not to make next year? <laughs> I can tell you what I did two hours ago. I reversed down the driveway and didn't look in the mirror and who'd have thought my daughter's car was there? And guess what I clipped? Oh, didn't I feel that? What a way to end the year, I thought. I didn't get out and complain, why is your car in the driveway? <laughs> Ian, you should have looked. All those agree I should have looked? Oh, gee, thanks, you're supportive. <laughs> James, did you have your hand up then? We're just praising God that I hit a car, thanks. You know, I was like, don't, sh sh don't dob your wife in. 
It's important to think about change. Uh, an old Christian writer has said this, Warren Weasby, uh, nothing paralyzes our lives like the attitude that things can never change. We need to remind ourselves that God can change things. Outlook determines outcome. If we see only the problems, we will be defeated. But if we see the possibilities in the problems, we can have victory. Now, I agree with uh, Warren's an old Christian writer. I agree with the sentiment behind that. I'm not going to say somehow every time you see the possibilities in a situation that you're always going to have a powerful victory, it may end up going in a direction you haven't realised. But there is a sense about your posture, your attitude, how you look at things and how especially you look at the year ahead and beyond that. As we look at Philippians 3, Paul really has a desire for us to press on. And there are three aspects of pressing on I want to share with you tonight. And each of these images indeed is tied in with running. Pressing on, verse 12, he hasn't obtained it. He's got more work to do. Uh, verses 13 to 14, pressing on, he doesn't want to go back. And I like that image because there's a, when you get to the verse, it's about straining forward. You ever seen, uh, I'm sure Shane has done this on the bike, runners, when they're getting to the end, it's not as if they're just running like this. They really push themselves across the line. And finally, pressing on, not finished. We are not finished in the Christian race yet. Um, a guy called Howard Hendricks, another Christian writer, made the comment about there are hundred or so leaders in the Bible, two-thirds of whom he believes did not finish the Christian life well in Scripture. Uh, many of you might know King David. He had a few problems along the way. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, squandered Israel's fortune and future on relationships that might have not been as helpful to him. Uh, so how do you run a race well in the Christian life and what can we do? How was the Apostle Paul able to finish well, to finish really strong? Well, he didn't take the finish line for granted, nor did he take God's grace for granted. He actually, remember he says this in 1 Timothy 1, this is a faithful saying and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Paul knew his position under God. He knew he was flawed, he knew he was sinful. 1 Timothy 1.15 He knew that he always, every year, had a battle against flesh. And for those who like reading Romans, you can read Romans 7 to echo this truth. Romans 7 verse 15 I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. You wrestle, I wish I could just do what I want to do. Sometimes you have that wrestle, I wish I could just do what I think is right. But there's this wrestle we have and we always do. I think we can relate to Paul. And so he presses on. He says this, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So he knows the reality that Jesus has grabbed him and holds him tight. But he wants to press on because he knows for him that knowing Christ is the most powerful thing in his life. And I'd like to think that would be the most powerful thing in our life as well. I can sort of hear uh, John Piper saying and read John Piper's writings about are you satisfied in Jesus? Uh, John Piper would constantly echo that thought. Paul never believed that he had arrived in the Christian life. He hadn't attained perfection, 
But it was, he, didn't, he wasn't discouraged by that. It actually motivated him to keep pressing on, to keep running the race. Uh, and running the Christian life and race means you're in it for the long haul. From start to finish, it means you actually have to learn how to set aside distractions, how to stay focused each and every day, about not looking back, about not turning around, about not quitting. Uh, last year, my daughter Emma, uh, who I hit her car today just to say thanks, um, started got me into doing park runs and many of you guys around here I know do park runs and they're fun and energetic and exciting I've done about 16 now so I thought I'd do another one yesterday last one for the year about they're five kilometers and uh, over 300 people turned up and it was just they're just good to go and do but sometimes as an older runner I can feel the desire at about the halfway mark oh just why am I doing this I don't know why, I could just stop now. But yesterday there was a guy, for those who do, uh, just at the three kilometre mark, he said, keep going everyone, you've only got two kilometres to go. That was very encouraging. But what was more encouraging, there was a guy there yesterday who'd lost both his legs. He has had prosthetic legs on and he'd lost part of his right arm. He had two people beside him. He was walking very slowly. But he was determined not just to start, but to finish. I tell you what, no matter what our problems are and whatever I have in my life, it just is profoundly motivating to see someone just going at a certain pace, just slowly, determined to get to the end. And that's what it's like in the Christian life. Uh, and we, we're compared to that. It's not a dash. And sometimes we get really excited and we do that and then we get burnt out and things like that. Paul is very aware that there's a lot ahead of him. He wants to press on. So how does he do it? He wants God's goals in his life i press on to take hold of that for which jesus christ has taken hold of me i encourage you to be honest where you are in your christian walk julianne was doing that where are you in your christian walk where are you right now in one might say the daily habits of the christian life and what would be considered the daily habits bible reading and prayer Often people say that. How do you grow in the Christian life? Uh, read your Bible and pray. Yeah, but what, what do you do? What, what's, the, what's the key? What's the, yeah, read your Bible and pray. If you do that, you probably won't go wrong. There's always other things. You can listen to worship music, gathering together with God's people, um, getting involved in other things, serving, all sorts of things you can do. But reading the Bible and praying is probably still to this day something helps you grow profoundly in your Christian world. Paul is very aware of that. But as I said, he hadn't reached perfection. Sometimes we gather to church on a Sunday and we look at each other's faces and we think, gee, look at that, you know, we're all going really well. Aren't we, Al? Isn't that right? You know, no problems at all. You know, there's Rosie and Giles, he's got married, life is so cushy for them, you know, heading off. Richard and George are down there with a baby. Oh, little James, sweet baby James. Great title for a song. It is, by the way. Um, See, they've got it good, never going to have a problem, won't struggle. Does anyone here ever struggle reading the Bible? Does anyone here ever struggle with their prayer life? Does anyone ever struggle keeping awake during sermons? Does anyone ever find relationships really hard? Does anyone ever get hurt by what other Christians say to them? Has anyone there, out there reached perfection yet? 
Uh, uh, thank you, Jenny. You just come up and share. Uh, Paul knows he hasn't arrived. I know I haven't arrived. I've got a lot of work to do. But you need to be honest about where you take hold. And why does he like the thought that Jesus has taken hold of him? Because he said it earlier in chapter 3. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth, surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That's so sweet. For whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them garbage, rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I noticed uh, somewhere yesterday, I think, or this morning early, uh, there's a hashtag about five words that sum up 2019. Uh, I wonder what five words are you'd sum up 2019. There's five words. I want to know Christ. Isn't that bad? He wants to know Christ. He wants to know him who has done so much. Walk closely with God. That's the first step in pressing on. Secondly, uh, how do you press on and not go back? How do you press on? And Paul keeps a forward focus. A forward focus. You can't run well looking back. You can't drive well if you don't know where you're going. God, I'll just take a note of that. Uh, he says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. One thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He gets rid of distractions. I do not consider I've taken one, one thing I do. I'm sure Paul had many things going on in his life. I'm sure you have many things going on in your life. I'm sure you have many hats that you wear in any typical day. I wonder how many of those hats that you wear truly distract you. And what value, I wonder what value they are to you in the now or in the long term. I wonder if for you to run the race even better next year, would you need to take a hat off and lay it down? Do you have to run differently at a different pace? Do you have to be more reflective on how you run well? Because it's hard to do it if you're constantly distracted. And we are living in a time, let's be honest, where we are constantly distracted. In the midst of our busy schedules, I wonder if we should say, like, Paul, what's the one thing we need to do? I've always loved... The tension that Jesus addresses in Luke 10, at the end of Luke 10, uh, two of our favourite people, Martha and Mary. You probably know the story well. It's a classic story. Jesus, verse 38, Jesus and his disciples were on their way home. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So there is Martha, there's Mary sitting at the Lord's feet. <sighs> But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. It makes sense. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, my dear. That's a Beatles song. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. And will not be taken away from her. What's the one thing that you need to do next year that really will help you grow? 
you know, your room or your house is a mess, what's the one thing you need to do? And I'm not giving you any answers to the questions I'm going to pose to you. It's up to you how you answer them. Uh, if you're really tired, what's the one thing you need to do to address that tiredness? Uh, if you've got exams coming up, what's the one thing you need to do to do with the exams? If you're distracted uh, with technology, what's the one thing you need to do to help you grow? Um, if you haven't read the Bible in a month, what's the one thing you might need to do? If you need to forgive someone, what's the one thing you might need to do? Apologise maybe. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. When you're in a race, the last thing you want to do is to look back. Uh, many, many years ago, in a very famous race between two runners, John Landy and Roger Bannister, during the 1954 British Games in Vancouver. Both these men were extraordinary runners and some of you might remember why or might even know historically why they were co it was considered an important race because in the Miracle Mile because both men amazingly had run under the mile. Uh, here's a photo of them. Uh, Bannister on the right, Landy on the left. So in the, and John Landy, uh, an extraordinary runner, had led the race all the way till about the last hmm, 30 metres. Uh, he'd held the world record. It was a given that he was going to win. However, just as he could see the finish line, he turned to the left to see how far Bannister was behind. And what happened? Bannister ran on the right-hand side and beat him by 0.8 of a second and won the race. Uh, it's really, I, I know sometimes you want to look back, but I think that's the classic example, very careful to look back over your shoulder. Uh, Bannister came past and beat him. Uh, one writer said, if you keep looking backwards, you will never go forwards. As Christians we, Christians, we need to forget what is behind and strain. Uh, look, the Christian life requires effort. Do I need to say that? Do you know if you're deciding to get married, marriage requires effort. Do, do you realise that? You realise that, Joel? You locked that in? I know it'll be easy with Rosie because she's per perfect. Life requires, work requires effort. I, I don't know anything that is, as they say, worthwhile in life that doesn't require, relationships require effort. Raising children requires effort. Raising teenagers requires extraordinary effort. It does. Paul says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There is a prize, there is a goal. Don't look back, run towards the prize. And don't just think about running for the next three days to get to 2020 or to get to Sunday or to get to whatever or to the Christmas, New Year's Eve event or to next year. Think about how you're going to run well for the long haul. What is it you're putting in your life now that's going to make a difference in 10 years? There is effort. Press on toward the goal. Perseverance. You need to persevere. You need to have purpose. Don't give in to complacency. That's why it's so important to be together and to gather together. Your satisfaction. I remember Bill Hybels writing a book and Bill Hybels, like all of us, a flawed man, wholly discontent. That was a wonderful book. And we all need to have a sense of a holy discontent about my spiritual life. I'm not there yet. But I want to keep my eyes fixed on Christ. 
as I get rid of distractions in my life, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Finally, pressing on, he's not finished. Uh, I like that image. The young man in the yellow was being helped by another runner. And sometimes we need to help each other to get to the finish line. Sometimes that is true. Don't lose ground in your walk with Christ. Paul says this, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Let us live up to who we are. Part of the Christian maturity journey is knowing that you have not arrived. You have not arrived. Uh, Mature believers, as you grow in the Christian life, you understand more and more how imperfect you are. Would other older Christians here acknowledge that? The longer you walk with the Lord, the more you realise, wow, I'm, I'm fully flawed. I love uh, this phrase from the man who wrote Amazing Grace. Uh, John Newton said, I'm not what I should be, I'm not what I want to be, I'm not what I will be, but praise God, I'm not what I used to be. And I tell you what, that is one of the most profound statements I've read for a long time. How many people here are thankful that either your parents have changed, they're not what they used to be, or your kids have changed, or your friends or your family have changed because God's grace has worked in their life like that flower opening up to blossom. Let us live up to who we are and to what God has done in our life. Here are a couple of tips that I'll give you. I'm really reluctant to do this, but I'm inspired because it's the end of the year. Living under God's grace. Here are a couple of things to help you grow and I'm going to give you some questions towards the end. Time daily of focused personal communion, connection with God. You know, some people like, you know, and is it what about once a month, once every... If you, as soon as you say monthly or every second week, you never achieve that anyhow. Daily is a helpful reminder. Living daily with a thankful heart for what God has done in Jesus Lord, no matter what my circumstances are, thank you. Thank you. And number three, belief daily in the sovereignty of love of God, that there's actually a God over all things. There's a God working out plans. There's a God who has a plan for you and a direction. Knowing that on a daily basis helps me live daily because I live on a daily basis. So I'm very mindful. Get up today, uh, think about God, pray, engage. And standing over all of this, even if it's hard and we can't do it and we struggle, is the grace of God because God is so gracious and so loving and so kind it doesn't matter if you fall and too often we focus on our failures instead of thinking Heavenly Father just it's a new day let me start again it's just the grace of God allows that we are called to gather together and to press on and to understand what God is doing in our lives so to help us do that I want you to watch this clip
Thanks. I love the clip, and often it does when I see that. It often reminds me 
of the Father in Luke 15 uh, and just embracing his wayward son, just a love of the Father. We've just gone through Christmas. We know what Jesus has done. We know the love of the Father in and through his son. And in life, sometimes it, it is absolutely a struggle and you need others to help you. You need to get through and as you look, you might be able to help someone else who's struggling in their Christian life. So here are some questions. I will give this, uh, the six questions I've got for you to think about and I'll put them in a newsletter in the, in the coming weeks. But I'd like to give them to you tonight as this year rapidly winds down. Uh, Don Whitney is the uh, author. He writes a lot at the end of each year, raising questions and things like that. And I like the number of the questions he had for this year. So I'm going to give you a couple of them. And so here they are. I don't, I'll read them out. I don't think you can read them all. What's one thing you can do this year to increase your enjoyment of God? What's one thing you can do? Worship. Read more, read less. Focus more on what you're reading. Meditate on something smaller than reading that. What's one thing you could do? Number two, um, what's the most important thing you could do to improve your family life? What's the most important thing you could do to improve your family life? Uh, You might be part of a family for example that actually isn't a, a believing family what's one thing you can do to help that situation you might be part of a family that is <laughs> uh, Christian believers what's that one, one thing you could do to help that situation um, read the Bible together pray it's you know my experience with three kids it was always a struggle I cannot remember they just had bored looks on their face maybe it was just me maybe everyone else's worship time with their children was just angelic that wasn't my experience. Uh, number three, in which spiritual discipline do you most want to make progress this year? What is it? Is it Bible reading? Is it prayer? Personal growth? Whatever you decide, however you answer that question, then just take a first step. Before, what's the single biggest time waster in your life and how can you redeem the time? Now, instantly I ask that question, you all know what your own answer is. I should subscribe now to Disney and Stan in addition to Netflix and may not be a time waster. What is the time waster in your life? I know what it is in my life. Is it uh, social media, TV, Facebook, hobbies, sport? can be anything. Gardening, running, well, it doesn't matter what it is. What is it? How do you actually think, you know, I do spend a lot of time doing X. I know that because my wife, friend, husband, whatever tells me that. Maybe I need to consider some other things in that space. You answer it for yourself. You, uh, number five, what's the most helpful new way you can strengthen your church? Praise the Lord for that question. <laughs> it's a great question. I'm pleased uh, he asked it. Uh, is it serving? Is it getting involved in something? You know, giving? What, what is the thing? How, how can you help your church grow? And Al was praying that before. And finally, what single thing can you plan to do this year that will matter most in ten years? in eternity sometimes I personally look at the ministry of Ignite and think that's a ministry that's going to have an eternal impact that's just one thing I look at what's something you could do that actually is going to have an impact in years to come 
you know, I noticed this year in my own life that the short term gets more and more attention. Just the immediate, you know, just distraction. What's this? What about that? What about, you know, you just need to stretch it out a bit. The old language beats the tyranny of the urgent. And it's important sometimes that it is. What is it about the long term, though? So think about that. I'll put them in a list for you. You know, you ask any question you like for yourself as you grow. What, what I'm, see, I'm assuming you want to grow in the Christian life. I'm, you may not. I'm assuming you want to do that. Many people have this picture in their Christian life. They think, oh, it's just, it's always idyllic. There's never any trouble. It's always peaceful. If that's been your life, praise the Lord for that. That has not been my experience either. That is not my experience. Uh, what does Paul say to wrap it up? Philippians 4, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, wonderful expression, stand firm in the Lord. In this way, dear friends, you will grow. Stand firm in the Lord. Why does Paul want us as this moment in time concludes, as he's getting ready to conclude his letter, as we're getting ready to conclude this year, conclude this decade? Because the Christian life is more like that picture. And that, it's an old picture, and that man is actually not hanging under the tree for grim death. He's actually, history says, he's actually trying to stop the tree from getting blown away in the midst of a storm. And the Christian life is often like that. And I think we have storms that come in our lives and it's like unless you're grounded in God, in Christ, then you will get blown away. You know, maybe some of you tonight have, haven't experienced this. Maybe you're thinking I'm actually not in the race because you never started to get in the race. Maybe you've never thought about running the race of the Christian faith. Maybe you stop running. Maybe you are in the Christian race and you've stopped running. Or maybe you've finished running the race. But that only occur if you were dead and went to heaven. And so seeing you're still sitting here, that means that hasn't happened. So if you've never started, then why don't you consider starting to run the race of the Christian life? Incredible journey it is and will always be. And if you've stopped running, then maybe it's time for you actually, even with our last songs, to actually think, I, I need to start running again. I need to take small steps. Maybe you've stumbled, maybe you've fallen, maybe there's been mistakes, maybe 2019 hasn't worked out the way you thought it was, maybe you're hoping for different 2020 like we all are. What are the things we can do? How can we answer our questions? Because there is a prize, there is an eternal reward, there is a Lord who loves us. And I love the language from Hebrews 11 and 12, it is like the saints are in the stands cheering you on. Another day, another year, don't give up. And I'm confident for all of us at Fig Tree, and echo this for you as the last words from Philippians 1, Paul says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The Lord has not finished with us. Do not be finished with him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy to us all. Lord, help us finish strong in the Christian life. Help us run well. Help us next year and the next decade continue to have our eyes fixed on you. Father, because... Our Lord has grabbed us. May it be we reach out to him and hold on to him and keep our eyes firmly fixed on Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.